Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, for a little additional action this week. You know what? Chelsea only required to play the 90, but we'll go above and beyond for that. Brandon out still. We hope he feels better soon. That's right, Dan's here behind the hot, you know, hot mic. It's a hot mic, Nick. You're back, though. You're joining us. It's wonderful. Thank you for being here. It's not a question. <laughs> it, is a it was rambling you're, you're to back. a statement. Please, please tell me you're back. Please tell me there's someone on the other side of this line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, Brandon is kind of like, you know, Azpilicueta last season or, you know, it's, you know, you, you expect him to be there when he's not. It just, it, it breaks your soul. You wonder what else is a lie, you know, is, is you know, I mean, is, is a frosty really ice cream? Like, I don't even know. I, I have no All idea. Right. All right. Enough, <laughs> enough of that shenanigans with Wendy's. My God. All right. But we also have Mike back as well. And uh, Mike, thank you for being here. We appreciate that as well. Well, thanks for uh, calling me hot earlier, so I appreciate that. And uh, unfortunately, <laughs> much like uh, Eden Hazard, uh, Brandon did not show up today either. Oh, oh. wow, man, going right hot. for the jugular—that is, that is <laughs> my, nasty. 
My God. Straight hot up. Takes. Okay. <laughs> All this right. This is the hot takes version of our show. Okay. Well, this is what happens when Brandon isn't here to uh, keep keep the children, uh, myself included, <laughs> in line. But anyway, we will be going through your social media ca- uh, questions, and we will also take a look ahead just briefly to what's happening a little later in the week. A, a double dose of Liverpool action, um, which is not that awesome. But Nick, before we do that, we don't don't want to delay in mentioning the fact that we are going back to London for a, uh, a blue blues rather christmas correct uh we are really excited to be going back guys uh you guys know that we've been uh three times so far as a show together uh dan's been an extra time and, and mike uh went before he before he joined and then went on our trip last december so uh lots of experience going on this trip we know the ins and outs uh we're really excited to partner with xl tours again to uh to put all this you know trip stuff together for us because they're really great at managing all of the logistics uh so that you're not looking at nick and dan's travel agency uh to do all of that um so what is included in this trip you're looking at hotel for uh, uh every night that we're there which is the 28th uh through the second uh you're looking at um match tickets which are obviously a huge part of going to see a match but tickets are actually pretty hard to come by over there uh, and XL Tours does a great job of hooking us up with some pretty great seats so we'll be seeing Palace away which is going to be a really interesting match to go to and as Gary Hayes says kind of a throwback stadium uh, atmosphere they obviously have a great uh, fan base that are really loud and then on the 1st of January on New Year's Day 2019 we'll be seeing Chelsea beat up on poor old Southampton at home uh, at the bridge and if you haven't been before it is a magical time Mike uh, to to go to your first match at Stanford Bridge yeah I mean last 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 December was amazing um, and being able to see both uh, a Premier League match and you know I was lucky enough to see uh, Atletico Madrid and the Champions League was it was it's life-changing uh, I've been I've been there once before but the trip was you know I hate to say trip of a lifetime but it, it was just absolutely fantastic I highly highly encourage uh, anybody who's interested to at least look into it um, because un- until you've been there on game day you just you don't know what you're missing and and so if you have any questions DM us email us uh, there is a payment plan option if you're looking at the price and thinking that it's going to be too much for a lump sum we totally get that and we want to be respectful of your wallet so uh, please let us know if you need anything extra accommodation uh, extra nights tickets to the ballet, whatever you might be into, uh, DM us or email us at or contact at londonisbluepodcast.com and we will handle it. Back to you, Dan. All right. We've got a ton of your social media questions here. We did on the first episode of the week talk a lot about Conte. We talked about the midfield with Jorginho and Kovacic. We, we touched a little bit on N. Hazard. So uh, those have been encapsulated in episode one of the week, but we will try to touch on those comments and questions that didn't necessarily get all the exposure heading into uh, episode two here. First one uh, from Instagram, Uche0902, asking Nick, when will we see Adoy? You know, if he can't get him on the bench for Europa League, will there ever be a good time? Sometimes you have to throw the kids into the fire. Uh, probably not good and sound advice from a parenting perspective. I'm sure Mike could attest to, but uh, <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> when when uh, when do we think 
Hudson Doy will return into the fold for for first team action. I think you will see him on Wednesday against Liverpool, uh, flat out. And yeah, I was you know to be honest with you, I was really disappointed with Sarri's lineup against uh, Payok uh, in Greece on on Thursday of last week. I thought it was you know there there was probably not enough rotation, and if you watched the team play against West Ham, that that became even more glaringly obvious. So. Um, I, I really hope we see him start on, on Wednesday in the Carabao Cup against Liverpool at Anfield. I think that's about uh, as much of throwing him into the fire as, as you would need for one game, Mike. Uh, and, and hopefully he does a really great job in that moment. For sure. Um, I, I have to feel, I would love to be able to see how uh, Adoy practices uh, because I, I feel very much for sorry that he wants to be able to trust players. We've we've seen it with his comments on RLC, and I just hope that you know between Hadoy and um, Ampadu that these young guys can really just work their socks off and get get a great chance to play it. I mean, who who wouldn't want to play away at Anfield, regardless of the competition? So another one that came through, Mike. And, you know, we we talked a little bit about the midfield, but we didn't talk a ton about. Former Arsenal captain, Cesc Fabregas, who uh, is still a Chelsea player, uh, who has returned from injury. Uh, DevGum9 asking, would Fabregas do well in the system and should we be looking to send him on in the last 20 to 25 minutes? I think they're thinking about the Antonio Conte area era where Cesc was being used as that super sub. Does that have a spot or a place in, in what we're doing currently? Not, not in my not in my squad. <laughs> and, and no, no, I mean, look, yeah, you know that I've been hard on Susk in the past, but I, I don't, this isn't even being, you know, brutal on him. I don't see where he slots in unless he's coming in at the center and, and replacing Jorginho. I don't, I don't see what he adds or where he, you know, where he can slot in. Cause if anything, I, I still think that he's a defensive liability and, you know, maybe he mixes it up. Maybe he could do something special, but I think that the answer to our offensive woes is speeding up the ball and one touch passing. And and until we speed things up and 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 just hurry up faster, I think teams are going to be able to get set defensively. And I don't think there's necessarily any player who's just going to have the magic key or hat to unlock that. I, I'm look. I, I'm actually on the opposite side of this and. I really think that as a super sub, Dan, that that um, Sesk might do a job for this team. We, we talked a little bit about the – a little bit, a lot in the first episode of the week about the midfield three and where the goals are going to come from. And, you know, should Chelsea be facing a, a back 50 like we have against our previous opponents, you know, who brings a different skill set into the midfield as a sub? And I think Sesk, you know, if he replaces someone like Kovacic, would definitely bring in some – some final third passing ability and, and perhaps even contribute a couple of goals. So I, I'm not writing him off. I think that he does have a role in this team. It's just going to be situational um, based on the type of opponent we're playing. I think here's the question though, Mike, in return, like, so George, you know, I, I think you would look at Sesk being the replacement, you know, in, in your mind, maybe then Nick for Georgina, right? Because in terms of we're talking about distribution, we're talking about moving the ball around. So, you know, if, if it's not Fabregas coming on in place of Jorginho, like who out of our midfield's reinforcement comes on or comes into the lineup if he's injured to try to move the ball around and distribute? You know, I mean, I think if you're going to replace Jorginho, maybe that would be the Fabregas role, but maybe it would be an Ampadu. 
uh, or maybe it would be Ruben Loftus Cheek. Um, you know, my my biggest fear with Sask is which which defense is he unlocking? Our own or or the opponents? And um, you know, until he kind of gets his plus minus higher, in my opinion, I still think he makes us very very vulnerable to counterattacks. Uh, just because I I don't believe he has the legs to to play in the Premier League anymore. Um, but you know, that's my take. Nick so I mean maybe I'm wrong uh, and and maybe he could nick in a few goals but that that's where I'm standing I, I don't think that N'Golo Conte would be a horrible option to replace Jorginho and I know that sounds ridiculous because they are way different players um, but if Jorginho is out of the game what most people have to realize is that the the team will want to play the same but they just won't <laughs> we don't have a direct replacement for him and I think the team will have to adapt a significant amount but once the ball gets through the midfield to a you know a Kovacic or you know to a Barkley or someone else then the you know the passing should then pick up steam again um and it should be quick and it should be dynamic and Pedro and William and Hazard should be making runs in behind and you know Morata should be making the right type of of crashing run to get into the box and put it in so uh, you know, not all is going to be lost on the stand, but I, I think there are plenty of options to replace Virginio. Uh, I would I would have Sess come in for a Kovacic or or a, or an Angola Conte to start. Um, you know, not not as a starter, but to you know just to get his feet wet into the system. You know, around the 60th minute or so, and then you know let's see how they do in training. But you know, I'm I'm pretty sure that Sess will still have a role to play this year. Well, Nick, as you mentioned, Morata, Jacksonville Blues, asks us the question, who is the better Chelsea striker, A, Morata, or B, the guy who cleans the locker rooms? <laughs> well, I mean, he Jacksonville Blues is not insinuating that Olivier Giroud, World Cup winner, is the guy who cleans the locker rooms, right? So this must be one of those leading questions, guys, that, that I, I'm, I'm prepared to answer, you know. I, I get, you know, and I think we all get after the first seven matches of the season that Morata's left a lot to be desired. He has one goal. He has a bunch of almost goals, as my, as Mike Ryan brought up in the in the first episode of the of the week. He's just he's not looked dynamic enough. He's not looked um, cutting edge enough. He's not looked clinical enough, and. You know, eventually we're going to have to just hold him to the standard that we would hold anybody else to. Uh, I don't think he's been nearly as bad as people want to make it out to be. And I think there's still just some Torres syndrome happening where people can't get around a Spanish striker who's who's going through a bit of a rough patch. But uh, overall, Mike, you know, it's it's not it's not been great. Let me put it that way. No, it it's been tough to watch, and I, I think. <sighs> We really could have used him to convert that goal today. Uh, it would have made a huge, a huge difference. Uh, you know, when it comes to the end of the season, where where we uh, where we end up, and we really want him to have that clinical killer edge to him. Um, I, you know, close isn't good enough. We're not playing horseshoes, but I, I do, I do believe that people are being too too hard on him, especially with you know, how compact defenses are playing. If if we were in an out and out open game and he was just not performing, I would be more concerned. Um, I really would have loved to see him get a goal today. I think that would have really just what a difference that would have made just for his confidence, for the club, you know, to extend to that six win. Um, but 
coulda, shoulda, woulda. Dan? Um, yeah, well, uh, Murato was a sub, so he didn't get a, a traditional numerical ranking for me uh, in our new segment of what else can Dan mess up? Uh, player rankings uh, <laughs> through through Twitter and Instagram. Um, but I, I think you're you're right that ultimately it's uh, and and Mike Ryan made the same point on our first episode this week. But it was that you know Murata is the king of almost scored goals. And when we did a little word association game on Twitter after the Europa League match, there were more mentions to Torres than I was hoping to see. And I think that just tells you a little bit about the, the feeling of the, the fan base right now. And there's definitely, you know, people want him to be successful. Like, I think there's a, a distinction to be drawn in that people are not actively rooting for Murata to not do well. And I think there are fan bases out there that would, you know, have an agenda and try to drive it and, and hope that certain players start or, you know, get sold and sign. I, I don't think that's what's happening here. What's happening is people are frustrated in... A, you know, a high-priced acquisition of a player, a person who has not necessarily proven himself to provide the value um, or kind of been the, the finished article that we thought we were getting. And it, it, it's going to be an area that's going to be reviewed and I think potentially look to be upgraded, uh, especially, again, like if we are in multiple competitions, uh, you know, this, th- this week will be telling, considering that we have to play Liverpool twice, once in the league cup and then once also in the premier league if we can stay in four competitions and be competing for all of them like that's when you potentially see a large you know maybe acquisition of a striker or an attacking winger who's going to add some more goal threat up front but uh you know i i definitely think Morata could be you know a, a, a casualty and uh need to you know be sold and yeah it's uh it's not great not a great spot for our boy Avaro, uh, number 29. So L- Let me ask you guys this. L- okay. Let me jump in real quick. If if Murata put in the shifts that we see from Giroud, where he's holding up play or he's making assists, would that would that still change your opinion about what he's doing or, or would the price tag still just demand you know, pure goals from him? I mean, it would be... F- I would view it differently, I think. Uh, you know, I think what I love from... You know, if we're being completely honest with ourselves, the the things that we love about Giroud are are some of the things that we don't like about Murata. Uh, he stays up. He has a positive attitude. He wins headers. He generally interchanges well with Hazard. He's put in less goals uh, over just you know slightly less amount of time than Murata has, but I think every fan, you know, every fan at Chelsea views him a little bit differently because he kind of has a go-get-him attitude, whereas, you know, Alvaro clearly went through some things last year that were really difficult for him, not only learning the league, but, uh, you know, but some of the attitude stuff too. And to be honest, the expectations for Giroud are less because his price tag was $12 million or something like that. Um you know, and Murata's was fifty-seven to seventy-five, whatever you know the add-on clauses and everything ended up you know being. So, I you know w- with the level Dan of of acquisition, I think you made a really fair point, which is you would expect you know three four times the amount of production out of someone who's younger, faster, you know ha- you know should be more clinical than Olivier Giroud. But I think you know the fans are in you know, have an endearing feeling towards Giroud right now. And I think the challenge is when you look at 
you know, what Liverpool have in terms of, um, you know, Firmino, Salah, Mane. When you look at City with Aguero, Jesus. When you look at, you know, Tottenham with, you know, Harry Kane. When you look at Arsenal with Aubameyang and Lacazette. And you look at United, you know, with Lukaku occasionally. Um, we, we definitely do not have these, like, out of Eden Hazard, like, the quality of our attack is not as strong as, you know, our primary competition in the Premier League. And so there will have to be some 1-0, 2-0 victories, um, you know, that are a little tense, a little tighter, um, that we were going to have to work harder for than potentially some of these sides, that if they concede a goal, um, it's very easy for them to go back and win a game 4-1, 5-1 on the back of it. So, you know, I, I think from a Maratta standpoint, if you were adding kind of those assist elements, yes, I would feel better about the situation. But I, I think you want someone who's leaning our line who can attribute some level of goals in the 20-plus range. Like, that has to be part and parcel of what they do. And as much as I would say, like, it'd be great, you know, if, I mean, if Eden Hazard is now doing 20-30, then you potentially have a striker who's doing a little less. But, you know, ultimately... You know, Liverpool last season, what was it? I think, you know, there's somewhere between 40 to 50 goals across their front three. Like, if Eden is doing 20 to 30, then, you know, you would hope that between the other two players that they could chip in, you know, that additional 20. But I, I don't even know with where they're at right now if, if Giroud Armaranta would be able to kind of combine, hit a, you know, total of 25 this season um, in the Premier League specifically. So, and, and that's that's scary from a prospect of just being a competitive side, with an attack that makes you frightened. Because if you're not frightened about Murata, you can let him kind of hang around a little bit and go double or triple team end the way you want and, and force him out of the game and make it difficult and put us into very compromising positions. So I think there's uh, plenty to kind of think about there when it comes to what our uh, attack is, is valued at. I mean, I don't know if you have a feeling on that, Mike, as you pose the question to kind of wrap on it. I, I agree. I, I, you know, it, you guys or clubs have players that are loved because of effort, and Giroud is definitely an effort player, and we see things happen because of that effort. Um, I do think, you know, we had to take a, a dose of reality today, in which you know we really still are that tenth place team from last year. We've had some improvements and we've had some luck, but kind of from that attacking perspective, you can see the, you know, why we finished where we did last season and where, or not 10th place, but sorry, (laughs) fifth place, but where, you know, just the difference between where we finish and where those top, those other top clubs are with, with that offense. So overall, yeah, I mean, we need more, but Again, what do you what do you do when you've spent seventy million on a player and they're not performing? And we, you know, how do you how do you make that work? How do you rectify selling and not giving him all the chances in the world without, you know, at the detriment of of the club? Yeah, I think that's a that's a good conversation. One one point that you know Shane brought up, he was asking, is with this lineup that we had, uh, you know, it goes as Eric Muggle at the on Instagram, um, asking if we think that sorry missed. Any opportunities with selection subs, or do you think the players just couldn't get the better of a resolute West Ham today? Nick, do you think there was any lineup changes you might have made differently heading into this match? Uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to tell the man how to do his job. Um, but 
you know, I think when you're when you're playing two matches a week, you have to utilize your depth. Uh, it was clear that Willian was gassed from the very beginning. So, you know, if if Pedro's out and Willian's gassed and, you know, Hazard's not having a, a banner day, you know, who do you turn to? And I think that, you know, a really fun, easy suggestion would be Callum Hudson-Odoi, not knowing, you know, kind of how he's doing in training or how sorry rates him. You know, I would have loved to see him just be fearless and take on uh, Zabaleta and or um, Declan Rice today because I think he would have had a, a field day because they're both kind of slow. Um, and and look, you know, I think from a striking situation, it was pretty clear that neither Giroud or Morata was going to have a day. So I don't really know what you do there unless you want to play Eden as a, as, uh, as a striker. So, um yeah, I don't know. I don't know a ton. You know, I think Barkley, Mike, might have been the other shout. Is you know someone who, uh, you know, clearly looked hungry when he came on. Yeah, that that would have been my pick. But then it puts you in the position in which who then fills in for Akovacic if he comes out. You know, where's the depth there? Because that's your midfield depth. Um, because of you know, once again, RLC is not on the bench. Uh, I have to agree that I I think. When you looked at the that starting eleven, it was probably their strongest team, you know, with the Pedro injury. And for me, the the issue that I have is that most likely with muscular injuries, like what we saw with Rudiger, it's probably because he played, you know, on Thursday. And I would have liked to see him get a break in you know last or in this past match. And I, I part of me feels like that might have attributed to the injury that he sustained and um, potentially what's going to happen with him out of the lineup for maybe a match or two. Dan? Yeah, I think there's a lot to consider there. And I I definitely think that I was actually a little shocked. I mean, I think ultimately Rudiger came off because of injury, but I think we would have seen Victor Moses come on at some point to try to, to freshen the attack and uh, maybe replace William at a point in the match when you know he was starting to look uh, look very buggy. But that's probably the only thing that off the top, um, maybe either that or trying to throw Zappacosta on for Azpilicueta to try to kind of move the ball up, especially with the space that William was finding to add just a little bit more pace um, would have been an interesting kind of flexibility point there to, to try to test. Because ultimately... Um, you know, we've got a couple questions about the, you know, how are we going to kind of break down back tens and, um, you know, ten, 10 behind the ball, it's a little difficult, but ultimately, you know, uh, pace, uh, quick passing, passing and movement, um, it is going to be part of that. And we just didn't have some of that today. You know, we took too long to, to get off the ball and to, to move it forward. So again, uh, it's great to have 70 plus percent possession. Doesn't mean you're necessarily going to win a game. It should hopefully, but, uh, it doesn't always. So uh, one thing kind of on that point, though, Byron uh, underscore underscore James on Twitter was asking, you know, is Sarri going to learn a lesson about rotation after this match? You know, a lot of players look sluggish and off pace. So, you know, if we're going to predict as we head into this two-match stretch here against Liverpool, probably playing a, uh, an A team and a B team, Nick, how much rotation do you think we'll see across the course of these two games? And, and do you think there are players who will be asked to play uh, all 180 minutes of those two matches? Yeah, I think Jorginho will be asked to play all 180 minutes. I think that, you know, for, for those doubting in Golo Conte, I think he, he might be asked to do the same. I think Kovacic is probably the guy who can, you know, 
given the injury he suffered against Cardiff, probably doesn't play on Wednesday, um, but would definitely then play against Liverpool. Um, you know, I, I we're not going to see Eden Hazard against Liverpool midweek, most likely. So um, let's hope that Kyle Mutson Adoy can can take care of business there. And then, you know, you're probably going to see Dave, I would say, is your, you know, may, maybe Zappa Costa comes in for him on, on Wednesday, but it just seems to me like Dave would have a, a really good shot at playing both just for backline stability if, if Rudiger couldn't play. So lots of, lots of different variances there, uh, Mike, but what are your thoughts? In his press conference, uh, Sari said that, you know, maybe he makes 11 changes, but most likely probably five. Uh, I think that's probably much closer to the truth. Um, I expect to see him play the players he trusts. And unfortunately, I think somebody like Moses just hasn't gained his trust or maybe he's just, you know, doesn't, there isn't that position that he sees him and he's not, you know, not the, not the midfielder, not the right back and not maybe the wing, the wing that that's needed. Um, I expect for sorry to kind of do whatever he wants. And I think he's going to identify the match on Wednesday as a very, very important match. I think he will go very, very hard. Um, I could very well see Eden playing and I kind of expect a similar, uh, lineup to what we saw in the Europa league. Um, and I, I hope we're not in a similar situation of last season in which, you know, the manager's uh, making a very clear statement by not playing specific players because he doesn't feel they're good enough um, to try and pressure the club come, you know, the winter transfer window. Um, but he definitely has his small squad of, of people. And I I would really like to see some some rotation, especially when it comes to Ampadu and hudson Adoy. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't think that narrative really holds. You know, I, I mean, I, I think you can ascribe it. You know, and again, we're not in the back the back room. We're not in the boardroom. We're not in the dressing room, and we can only hear the the after action and try to read between the lines of what players say about what they do with emojis and photos to try to understand <laughs> what the situation really was uh, over the last two years. But you know, even at Napoli. Um, you know, sorry, does not rotate a ton, right? And he, you know, Napoli didn't have the same level of resources and depth of players. And, you know, we, we might disagree, uh, you know, with the club on the valuation of bringing in someone like Daniel Drinkwater to, you know, be a Chelsea player, which will continue to mystify me to the end of time. Um, but, you know, we, we, I don't think he's actively choosing to not play players. I think he's just, you know, there, there's a trust element, right? And, and maybe he doesn't, you know, have necessarily a trust with certain players yet. Again, he came in super late, short preseason. You kind of have to, you know, kind of go with some of the players that you have. And I think this might be one of the first or, or second opportunities after the Europa League matches where he can start to play a few of these players in. You know, Ampadu just got his, you know, five-year you know deal here um, just last week. I think we will see, hopefully, Ampadu for for some amount of time in these you know two games here. I think that would be really great. Uh, as, as Nick said, I think Calum Hudson Adoy getting an opportunity, especially with how sharp he looked in preseason. Again, that's not an indication of how you're going to play all the time, but given an opportunity, I think that would be uh, phenomenal as well. So, yeah, 
We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you think about what's going to happen when it comes to rotation over this week. Is there one player you think is going to get an opportunity to shine? Uh, you know, we, 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 yeah, when Brandon's on the show, we don't spend time talking about the January transfer window, but we have mentioned it a lot <laughs> when he's been away. So, <laughs> so we will entertain a question from our friend uh, Matt, 1689 Jedi, asking, you know, we need another attacking threat. Who would you want to see signed? I have my thoughts on Sleeper. I plan to write up very soon. So he's teasing a little bit of action on uh, his new blog that he started. But, uh, you know, Mike, is there a player? Let's, let's play play the realistic signing game. Is there a player you think we could sign in January that, if they were added to the squad, would allow us to kind of unlock a, a higher level? Well, it's not really a lot of fun if we're going to be realistic, right? Uh <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I I would love I, I would love to see like a Leon Bailey, um, you know I some of the wingers that I, I wanted to see uh, this summer have seemed to have signed long term contracts, kind of making it seemingly impossible. And we're not going to pay what is it seventy million for a Zaha. I would like to see uh, a larger, um, a more physical and pacier w- winger. In, in the winter i'd love to see somebody who's going to be able to threaten teams um you know physically and with pace that's i think what we're missing uh if you if you watched uh leon uh, beat man city on <laughs> on wednesday i think of last week uh fakir looked outrageous um i just you know i i didn't know a ton about him admittedly until joe tweeds came on our show and started waxing poetic about him uh a couple years ago over the summer so uh that's that's one that would be great i would also like to see mishi come back from loan you know i I don't know why he's on loan in the first place to be completely honest with you but uh you know if if our strikers continue both of our strikers continue to not score we we gotta bring him back and see if he can do it um so those would be a couple that i would look at i mean i think mike's Mike Shaw with Bailey is fantastic. He is a player that I would covet for sure. But, um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, br- bring old Mishi back, huh? Why not? Yeah, I think another one that, you know, there's been very tenuous links at, at some point is uh, like Lucas Pequeta, who is a Brazilian player. And, you know, he's kind of a goal-scoring winger. That would be another kind of potential you know, uh, more off the radar acquisitions. I mean, there's definitely players that we're going to get continue to get linked with. I think you know you're you're going to see Lewandowski links all the time because you know it's just FIFA. a fun story to write, and people like you know kind of making crazy assumptions at what could happen. Um, you know, I, I, beyond that, I, I just I, I generally don't know if the type of player you're going to want to acquire, like like a Bailey, like I don't know if you're going to get them in January. I think you're going to look to see them in summer, Nick. And I, I think that's going to be the, the harder thing is like, you know, nobody's trying halfway through their season to sell players that might be integral to them staying up or challenging for like European spots or why they have European competition still going on. You are correct, Dan. Um, that's, that's why I'm bringing Mishu back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, you, you, you and JT, huh? Um, yeah. Uh, all right, cool. So um, that is another wonderful question. Um, beyond that, you know, we uh, will take a kind of short break here to make a make a little little connection, a little love connection with our friends at uh, World Soccer Shop here, Nicholas. I know you wanted to Whoa. mention them. 
oh, it's spicier than I than I thought this lead-in was, was going to be. So thank you, Dan. Um, yes, our friends at World Soccer Shop have uh, continued to uh, grant us our code, our promo code. So if you're looking to buy one of the new kits, maybe the new weird kind of blue one that, that recently came out or the exquisite yellow kit that was worn uh, today as Chelsea played West Ham, then we would encourage you to do that at World Soccer Shop. Uh, use the code LONDONPOD for 10% off. Uh, we are also going to have a kit unboxing video uh, coming soon from from our, our boy Brandon, who is obviously not on this show, but has been doing some hard work in the background to uh, to get our new kit unboxing video up. So head over to YouTube when that is ready. But in the meantime, go to worldsoccershop.com, use the code LONDONPOD, Thank us later. The end. Yeah, uh, as a as a owner of the uh, the away kit for this season, it is uh, is my sharp nick and uh, definitely worth uh, an acquisition. Might have been might be the the best Nike kit uh, that we've had so far. I couldn't agree more with that sentiment, Dan. Well, yeah, that's that's all I want is your you to agree with me. But uh, maybe we will do that as we kind of look ahead to the fact that we will be playing Liverpool this Wednesday. So the the day after you hopefully listen to this pod, or potentially if you're a time traveler um, at some point in a undetermined time spectrum in the future, alternate timelines maybe. In the Carabao Cup, uh, it is at Anfield. They have just won against Southampton uh, 3-0 in their previous match. So uh, they uh, had plenty of fun with them. Hopefully we'll see something similar when we get to watch Chelsea play Southampton in December. But um, or in January of the new year. So initial thoughts and feelings, Mike. How are you, how confident are you as we head into this League Cup game? Are you feeling nervous? Are you feeling excited? Are you feeling somewhere in between? Uh, I I don't feel too bad. Um, this morning was a little rough, uh, a little deflating, uh, a bit like a uh, Patriots football. Um, wow. but Ooh, wow. Nice. <laughs> I approve of that. Nice. Yeah. But, but here, here's the deal. You know, we, we finally look at all the, the matches in which we digged, you know, we, we dug out a, you know, a goal towards the end, you know, Mr. You know, Alonzo himself, Mr. 80th minute, you know, we found some magic. We didn't find the magic today. All right. We're on the road, you know, tough, tough place to play big derby match. You know, it is what it is. Derby, whatever. Uh, but for me, I, I'm not, I'm not worried about Wednesday. I'm, I'm really worried about the weekend. Um, but I, I think that, I think Sorry is very, very shrewd, and I think he understands the importance for us to be in all, all cup competitions. And you know, as much as I would love to be at the top of the table right now, uh, or be at you know six wins, we're going to drop. We're going to drop some points. We're going to lose the game eventually. And if we're going to lose, I would much rather have it be, um, I'd much rather have it be in the Premier League than and and knock and knock Liverpool out of the out of the Carabao Cup. I know that sounds a little crazy and a little dumb, but that's my personal opinion. I I think that as long as the more cup competitions we have, the more chances we get to see uh, Sari develop some of the younger players. Hopefully. Um, you know, because we'll we'll see what he does. You know, or or just more chances for us to watch the team, the same eleven play. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not a fr- I'm not worried about Wednesday. Nick, where are you standing at that? Uh, so I I, I guess I kind of see your point. Um, you know, I think the Carabao Cup could provide 
Callum Hudson-Odoi, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Ethan Ampadu, kind of the, the three youth players that really have a chance in the squad, um, certain chance to play, uh, that would be ideal. Um, but, you know, it, I, I, I would much rather win on Saturday than on Wednesday, if I'm being completely honest. You know, I think um, the, the Premier League is going to be it needs to stay close for as long as possible to to give ourselves the, the best chance to be top four. Uh, and if if this team is serious about competing for the title, then you have to beat Liverpool at home. Uh, I mean, that's just you know kind of a a result that that would certainly matter uh, later in the year. So uh, I would much rather win on Saturday. Um, I, I love to see the youth play. I would love to you know hopefully we we roll into Anfield with. You know, the best youth setup in in England doing its job uh, and taking care of business with with some experience mixed in, but you know Dan, I have to win on Saturday if I if I have to choose one of those two. It's it's really interesting, and I, I think you know as we think about it and you know make horrible mentions about you know railroad jobs by Roger Goodell and the league against uh, the premier <laughs> NFL franchise, the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, I think about the fact that uh, you know you sometimes have seen in you know the NFL season uh, when teams have to play against each other multiple times or know they might face off again in the, in the playoffs is uh, at least with the Patriots sometimes you'll get a very vanilla game plan from Bill Belichick in a game that is very basic that isn't meant to show your hand or tip your cards and then you really get to see what they were intending to do when the game actually matters quote unquote and so i wonder how much of the game plan for saturday will be evident um or for the weekend will be evident in what we see on wednesday um and will there be a little bit more of a generic less stylish execution on you know in the the league cup before we kind of maybe pull some surprises out of our hat for the premier league match i, I think I would rather win both. I think all of us would rather win both. I, I don't necessarily know if I am valuing one more than the other, but damn, I, I would not want Liverpool to win the Premier League. Like I just don't. Like I, you know, they win the, the League Cup. You know, it's whatever. I'm not like super. You know, I'm I'm miffed about it. But if they won the Premier League, man, like that would just that'd be awful. Like, can we it can would. we just imagine like how mouthy and overconfident <laughs> they would be? Like. Come on, yeah. like nobody wants that. That's gonna be absolutely terrible. Like we talked about darkest timeline last year, man. Just like throw throw oil on that and just you know like light it a blaze because that's how bad that darkest timeline is gonna get. Um, yeah, be- beat them on beat them on the weekend. I-, I will gladly give up a cup competition for smacking Liverpool around um, and you know kind of breaking this you know perfect record they have for the the start of the season it's the first time ever i think in the premier league where liverpool have won their first six games and i would be happy to ensure that it was not seven in a row uh, and i agree i agree with you there but i i think we have to ask ourselves a question of are we being honest of course i want to win both matches or are we being realistic and i think from a realistic point of view from where we are and the depth that we have and how we're playing as opposed to where liverpool is at this point I don't think it's realistic to say, you know, we're, we're going to win both matches. I think we're going to be lucky to walk away with a win of the two matches because they're they're playing that well. And I think they're playing 
their some of their strengths are in areas that we have some some weaknesses, especially with you know a potential injury to our best center back. So do I want to? You know, I think I'm just looking at it more of I hope we can walk away with one of two because I think that's going to be a whole lot easier to swallow than you know some potentially two ugly losses in a row to Liverpool in a span of four days. That's where I'm standing, Nick. I'm I'm kind of curious. Like again, like I know you want to, we want to win them all, but do you honestly think that we have a chance on Saturday? If it, if it were an Anfield, I would say no. I mean, it's at the Bridge, so there's always a chance. The thing that I brought up earlier in the year, and it'll be my final point on this. The thing I brought up earlier in the year is last year when we were playing under a more defensive style, and Antonio Conte had had a pretty well drilled system defensively. We played foil to Liverpool, uh, and and to some extent Man City, but even though they they dominated us both times, um, we really frustrated Liverpool playing them. Um, and I think the the scenario that kind of comes up in my head is are are we are we Liverpool light right now? And if so, that doesn't look real good uh, for me. So. Uh, you know, if, if we had a, a different style to them, you know, I'd give us you know, a little bit of a better chance. But, you know, it'll be really interesting. The whole game on Saturday will come down to the midfield, uh, it, you know, because I think in, in previous uh, years when we played Liverpool, Mo Salah becomes pretty useless up front if he never gets the ball and or and or Antonio Rudiger is just putting him in his pocket all day. So I think there's just a a lot that will go into it. But if our midfield plays well, of course we have a chance. All right. Well, we want to hear what you think. How is it going to go? How is the Liverpool double match up against uh, the wonderful and terrible Reds? Uh, wonderful in their form. Terrible because of who they are. Um, going to play out over the next week. So tweet at us. Uh, message us on Instagram. Shoot us emails. Uh, send us postcards, maybe. Um, but, yeah, we are going to wrap this up. And we are going to thank you for spending... A couple hours of your week with us. But until next time, after Chelsea have beaten Liverpool twice, you know what to do, everybody. Keep the blue flag flying high.